0: This is The Rusk Report, a program that takes an inside look at Western New York with news, features, and special guests. Now here's your host, Brian Rusk.
1: Welcome to The Rusk Report on ESPN AM 1520. We're very fortunate to have with us a global philanthropist with us on The Rusk Report. And as we blanket 17 states, much of Canada, we're going to learn a great deal from Lady Susan Reichert. Let me tell you a little bit about her background. She now resides in Palm Beach, Florida, where we're taping the Rusk Report today. Susan's global philanthropy began as a teenager, doing charitable work in the United States and internationally, along with a busy career in the arts as a curator, art historian, and fine artist. Lady Susan Reichert has managed to make a difference in the lives of so many people around the globe. She's been very active, I know, with Project Hope, and we had Dr. William Walsh, the former international president, on this program and we learned a great deal from him. Uh, Also, Susan Reichert is active with the St. George's Society in Palm Beach, Florida, and they had a lovely program uh, some months ago. So let's talk about how did charitable work become your calling? Lady Susan Reichert.
0: Uh, Good morning, Brian. It's delightful to be with you today. Um, Gosh, there are so many ways that influence one to become a philanthropist, and perhaps without knowing it was to become my future. I have memories of my grandmother who made me aware that not all children are blessed with a loving family. And she introduced me to one of her favorite charities, the New England Home for Little Wanderers. It is the oldest orphanage in America, and it was founded in the 1700s. I remember the pride I felt at just 12 years of age to be able to make small donations for everyone on my Christmas list and I dreamt that I could make Christmas a little bit better for some of those homeless children. But perhaps it was my father who rented a fairground with all its amusement rides and entertainment for underprivileged children to have a special, safe Halloween celebration. He had a deep caring for sick children and supported many charities. Seeing this as a youngster was absolutely invaluable. My kind and loving mother made sure that I followed in the tradition of the women in my family to be able to study music and art from the age of six, which no doubt nurtured my sensitivity and creativity to eventually become an artist and an art historian.
1: Well, it sounds like you have a very strong inner desire to help the needy, uh, from your uh, childhood background, uh, Lady Susan. And, and you know, we hail from Buffalo, New York, where there's probably about six inches of snow, but where we're taping today, <laughs> I can look out on the ocean 30 or 40 miles, and I see no snow because it's probably about 78 degrees here <laughs> in uh, Palm Beach, Florida. Let's talk about uh, did this continue on from your early childhood to today, Lady Susan Reichert.
0: Uh, It did, Brian. Uh, Yes. At 13 years of of age, I went off to a Quaker, or Friends, all-girls boarding school, and after that initial trauma of living away from home and my sheltered life, I came to love the caring and positive environment of the Friends philosophy. The mantra, a girl can achieve anything she wants in life with hard work and dedication. It never really occurred to me that there were obstacles beyond myself and the women's movement just simply passed me by. Part of my self-reliant experiences were the opportunities to volunteer in the community, and for me, the toy lending library was a natural. Children could take out toys on loan, like books. I'd never seen children without toys, let alone not enough food to eat. After I went off to college, I was honored to be invited to make my debut as an international debutante in England and Denmark. And it was that same wonderful maternal grandmother who once again kept me level-headed and focused on the meaning and the honor of such an invitation. It could become the opportunity of a lifetime, she said, to network for a meaningful commitment. And these grandmother-granddaughter talks. Mm were the turning point of my life and my commitment to the well-being of children in need throughout the world. As I traveled the world from my teenage years onward, I saw more and more hardships and suffering firsthand. My membership in many charities really seemed hardly enough to be able to see any direct result of my donations, but later these became board-level commitments
1: sounds like you have a very deep-seated inner desire from your childhood to help those in need. Uh, let's uh, talk a little bit about uh, what did you do to overcome this frustration, Lady Susan Reichert.
0: I began bringing medical supplies, including eye drops, to rural clinics for children in Kenya and Tanzania who suffered from retinopathy. I began helping orphanages in many European and Eastern European countries. Now these are called group homes. I was able to find donors and drug companies to join me in providing medicines to take to Europe, to Africa, Asia, and to Mexico. Gift packages were delivered to California for the children of Vietnamese boat people. Remember, Brian, those were the days before intensive airport security and restrictions on what could go into one suitcase, and you can't imagine how much stuff I could pack into just one suitcase. I learned to fly a plane in case of an emergency in order to make deliveries with my colleagues in remote regions, and there were hardships. I was robbed, more than once in fact, and threatened at knife point in attempts to steal the medicines. In Thailand, I contracted a mild case of malaria, which plagued me for several years, whenever the symptoms of sudden weakness, followed by chills, appeared. But eventually, fortunately, my immune system won out.
1: Well, it's a very interesting um, and strong and compelling reason for uh, Lady Susan Riker to be involved in philanthropy, it sounds like she sacrificed a great deal uh, trying to help those in need throughout the world. I've been to Tanzania with the Hope for Tomorrow Foundation, so I know the dire situation. Mm. I know the crime there. I know the hunger. I know the desire for medical needs, and I remember in Africa at many hospitals, people were turned away if they didn't have any money.
0: That's right, so and you they p- stood in line for days and days, walked for days to a clinic to see a doctor.
1: Yes, I was uh, in... Uh, Uh, Ghana, Tanzania and Nigeria on three different humanitarian trips and I can still remember in one of the uh, hospital rooms there was an open ceiling and while the doctors were doing surgery there were birds coming on the surgeon's hands while he was doing surgery (laughs) and it was very uh, unsanitary uh, conditions. If you're uh, listening in northern Florida, Washington, Buffalo or Toronto, drop us a note, and uh, you can write to Brian Rusk, ESPN Radio, 500 Corporate Parkway, Suite 200, Buffalo, New York, 14226. We always read cards and letters from Canadian and European listeners. We have received letters as far away as Scandinavia, New Zealand, and we'd like to hear from you. I'd like to thank those who've called regarding our recent guests, uh, international motivational speaker and author, Frank Switek, Erie County Sheriff tim howard and steve cotton the head of the challenger learning center where they teach young people about space travel so they get involved in productive efforts instead of difficult challenges little plug here for 60 years the ample legal has been polonia's newspaper sharing our polish heritage with the readers news feature articles great columns and recipes have filled our pages for six decades if you haven't read our paper we invite you to try our winter special six months for fifteen dollars that's twenty six issues including our great easter editions for only fifteen dollars call seven one six eight three five nine four five four to order or click on the services menu on your website www.ampolegal.com and put winter special in the comments box. ESPN 1520 is streaming. You can listen live by going to our website, ESPN1520.com and clicking on the radio.com or listen. Again, our guest today is Susan Reichert. She's a global philanthropist, and again, she began as a teenager doing charitable work in the United States and internationally, along with a busy career in the arts as a curator, art historian, and fine artist. She has managed to make a difference in the lives of so many people around the globe. Let's talk about when did your interest in art become a part of your philanthropy? Susan Reichert.
0: Uh, Brian, it was during my years in graduate school with majors in art and art history, I was able then to internalize the significance of art history and the art of a country or culture to the emotional well-being of the individual. Children should have the opportunity to feel confident, creative, accomplished, and proud of their culture as long as they are exposed to art and art history at a young age. So as I traveled, I visited schools and classrooms, inviting the administrators and teachers to become a part of the Art of Peace International, my initiative toward world peace by helping children build pride and respect of other cultures by sharing their country's art history. For example, the children at a Montessori school I visited in Mexico knew about the artist Diego Rivera because of a relationship with children in Detroit's Mexican community, discovered that Detroit, Michigan's Art Institute Museum had a fantastic set of murals by Diego Rivera. This shared knowledge created an international bond and a mutual respect. A school that I visited in the San Blas Islands off the coast of Panama served the children of several islands in just one little room, a one-room school, and they needed a computer, and so it was done.
1: Well, it's wonderful. You've helped so many people in need, uh, commitment to the arts and and culture, but also to philanthropy for. Uh, lifting up the downtrodden. So we salute uh, Susan Reichert, our guest today on the Rust Report on ESPN Mm -hmm. AM uh, 1520. And I have a sensitivity to the arts too because my wife has been a docent at the famous Albright Knox Art Gallery in Buffalo, New York for 20 years uh, giving corporate tours and she finds it very, very fulfilling. Um, we had uh, Susan Record's husband on this program, and he sailed around the world and published a book on his uh, sailing and uh, near-death experiences on, on the uh, sailboat. Both of us. <laughs> and, well, we're glad that you survived and you're still here, because where we're taping from, there was a mysterious uh, situation where an owner of a restaurant, Chuck and Harold's, disappeared out at sea about 10 years ago and was never found and
0: we knew them and
1: mm. and we and the question is with their mm. mysterious death if there were pirates that or if there was a mechanical failure or whatever a storm but uh, they were never seen again shall
0: the, i end the mystery for you uh,
1: please do because i haven't heard what happened
0: they had the wrong kind of boat to cross the ocean in a bad weather and there were weather reports that said they shouldn't cross, but they thought they could do it and make it by leaving early. The design of the boat had a rudder, a, a design that uh-huh. was just not for rough oceans, more than likely. The yes. butter was smashed off, and they lost control.
1: So you think it capsized, I think it and capsized, they drowned. And they drowned. And it was about, I think, about a 40, 45-foot boat. Yes. yes, So it wasn't that small. Mm. But maybe they didn't have the experience as sailors, as competent sailors or crew, as needed.
0: Well, they should have known. And it's a great loss. They were lovely people. And
1: they had wonderful restaurants they here in uh, Palm Beaches. So I'm very sorry. Well, thank mm. you. Uh, that <laughs> was news on ESPN AM 1520 that Susan Reichert you explained with the Brian mysterious Hunt. death of one of the, of the yeah. Chuck and Harold's restaurant chain, which is a great restaurant. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, let's uh, talk a little bit more about the charities that have been a part of, of your life.
0: Of course. Some of those in charities. There's a long list. Some of them include Juvenile Diabetes, the American Lung Association, the Red Cross, Cancer Research, of course, the Junior Leagues in the United States and England, the Art of Peace International, Project Hope, and Friendship Without Borders, and and many more.
1: Very good. And I attended, uh, with my wife, a beautiful program with St. George's Society with a chef uh, Princess Diana, mm. and it was a wonderful program at the Colony Hotel some months ago, Thank you. and it was very enlightening to hear uh, the other, the personal side of Lady Diana, that, you know, we only heard the other side through mm. the paparazzi and the gossip columnists, mm. and it was good to see what a, a kind, a decent, good woman she was. Mm. Um, I was in England the week after she died, and I saw uh, tons and tons of flowers, flowers. Yeah. and then we were on a humanitarian mission to Calcutta, India, and it was quite a contrast because the same week Mother Teresa passed, and all we saw at her gravesite were geraniums. Oh. <laughs> so oh. <laughs> it was very unusual uh, the the contrast. Um, uh, for those who have just tuned in. the Rusk Report. Our guest today is Susan Reichert, a global philanthropist, and she's telling all about her childhood and what motivated uh, her to get involved with philanthropy and the arts. Now let's talk about Project Hope, and as I mentioned, we had Dr. William Walsh on this program 20 years ago when he came in to speak at Damon College with the Damon College Forum. Uh, brilliant, gifted man, and uh, you've been involved with Project Hope, uh, where he was the international uh, president for many years. And let's talk about this. That this is a passion of yours. What was the start of your involvement with this great effort that goes throughout the world, uh, donating medical care, surgical care, follow-up all care, all around the world. Yes. yes.
0: Project Hope came into my life, actually, as a young college professor who started an interior design department in a small art school. While I was looking for unique projects for my students, including a women's prison, a children's waiting room at a VA hospital, and confined area space planning for SUVs and yachts, I came across the very first hospital ship in the world, the SS Hope converted from an outdated naval ship. The designer of the project was the Chief of Interior Design for the Veterans Administration, Montine Fisher, whom I enticed to come from Washington to talk about this incredible project. And we were all mesmerized by her and by the project.
1: Yes. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the uh, start of its mission. Uh, again, it's Worldwide Project HOPE. And um, maybe you might even want to mention people giving money to this because Mm -hmm. we reached 17 states and half Mm -hmm. of Canada. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about how it started and and if you urge our listeners on the Rusk Report on ESPN AM 1520 to give uh, Mm -hmm. funds to keep Project HOPE alive for decades to come.
0: Well, let me tell you, Brian, why your readers would want to know more about Project HOPE. In 1958, Dr. William Walsh, a cardiologist, was shocked by the lack of medical care he witnessed during his military service in the South Pacific. Dr. Walsh met President Eisenhower, who was being treated as a patient. The President had just created his People to People initiative, and Dr. Walsh, who was very good at convincing people, convinced President Eisenhower to sell him the use of a retired naval ship one hundred and fifty dollars. Probably imagine? worth fifteen million dollars yes, today. You know. But it just fit in perfectly with the President's People to People initiative and therefore the hospital ship Hope was to be converted to a floating hospital for humanitarian work all around the world. It took two years before the SS Hope, which is an acronym for health opportunities for people everywhere, was ready to set sail for its voyages to bring sustainable medical assistance to, oh, let me see, Colombia, Indonesia. It went to Vietnam, Peru, Ecuador, Guinea, Nicaragua, Sri Lanka, Tunisia, Jamaica, and Brazil. The ship, that ship, was staffed with 100 doctors, 150 nurses, and technical staff, and they were all volunteers. It contained three operating rooms, a pharmacy, an isolation ward, a radiology department, and most importantly, a closed circuit television so that all the local doctors and students could observe the operations. And the main job, of course, was to teach American best practices in all kinds of specialties, from neurosurgery and physical therapy to dentistry and public health. Many trips followed earning Project Hope charity navigators' highest ratings as a state-of-the-art medical care was delivered around the world.
1: Yes, Dr. William Walsh uh, was a wonderful man. Uh, we were happy to have him where we taped this program, usually in Buffalo, New York, uh, really a visionary. He saw the need worldwide uh, for this medical care in countries that just didn't have it. And uh, it was really a very novel idea to go to the countries in need Mm -hmm. uh, instead of letting people die and suffer. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's talk about the changes in Project HOPE um, with your early involvement.
0: Uh, Yes, well today, Project Hope, the international health care organization, is still based in Millwood, Virginia. So if your readers, if your listeners rather, want to know more about Project Hope, they can look up Project Hope Millwood, Virginia, and find all of the ways to contribute to many of the projects of the hospital ships. And the original ship, the SS Hope, of course, has been retired, but today... Hope partners with two hospital ships, their naval ships, the SS Mercy and the SS Comfort. And there are private donors, and we hope some of your listeners might be some of them, corporate sponsors, major drug companies. They all participate to stock the hospital ships with medicines and medical supplies. But now, instead of a hundred doctors, there are over a thousand volunteer doctors, nurses and technicians who staff each mission to countries where HOPE is asked to bring medical care and training. HOPE is also a first responder to all global disasters of hurricanes and tsunamis. They've been everywhere.
1: Well, it's a wonderful work that you have been performing uh, with uh, Project Hope, and again, we had the founder on this program a few times, Dr. William Walsh, wonderful man who has passed. Uh, again, if you're listening in Cheek New York, Montreal, or Washington, D.C., drop us a note. Please write to Brian Rusk, ESPN Radio, 500 Corporate Parkway, Suite 200, Buffalo, New York. 14226. We always greet cards and letters from our Canadian and European listeners. We're listening today to the wisdom of Susan Reichert, global philanthropist, very active for many years with Project HOPE, which is a a wonderful caring operation going to the needy throughout the world. Let's uh, uh, talk a little bit about uh, where the ships go around the world, if you could... Tell us about that. Of
0: course. Uh, Project HOPE works in Africa, Americas, Central Asia, China, Central and Eastern Europe, the Middle East, and Southeast Asia. Millions of dollars have been raised by donors and corporate sponsors and matching gift programs for people in need of medical help and people in crisis due to natural disasters. Now, today, the difference is that many of the programs are mostly land-based. New programs have been initiated in neonatal care which is helping women have safe deliveries. And there's treatment for infectious diseases like HIV-AIDS and non-infectious diseases like diabetes. They're treated as well. Project HOPE has brought medical assistance to tens of millions of people in more than a hundred countries trained 1 million healthcare workers, and provided $3 billion. I'll repeat that, $3 billion of medicines and supplies. So it's really easy to see, Brian, why I'm absolutely passionate about Project HOPE.
1: Well, it's a wonderful organization, and we encourage all of our listeners to the Rust Report on ESPN AM 1520, Blanketing 17 States and Half of Canada, give and give generously to Project HOPE, as Susan Reichert, our guest today, who's been involved with Project Hope for many years, encourages many others to get to give generously. We just have uh, two minutes left on the Rust report, and we'd like to. Uh, was there something that you wanted to especially talk about before we close the program that's of concern to you?
0: Uh, well, I thought you might like to know that um, my leadership role in Project Hope has been on the board of directors. Uh, of the women's division and the women's division is the only group in the united states to represent the global initiative of project hope bringing its sustainable medicine around the world but just a few years ago i traveled to china to the shanghai children's hospital mm-hmm. to view a plaque on the wall thanking my michigan women's division for the funds we raised to help build the very first pediatric hospital in china in that new cardiac cardiac hospital, excuse Uh me, I held babies in my arms that were given cardiac surgery that saved their lives. Before this facility, these children would have been abandoned or died. So Project Hope still supports this hospital with its medical training and doctors who rotate from the best children's hospitals in the world, and then the Chinese doctors bring their skills to rural areas of China. Very good. I'm sorry we have to bring the Rusk report to a close. We'll have to do
1: another program at a later date. Our guest has been Susan Reichert, who is a global philanthropist, very active in the arts internationally, and also with Project HOPE, which is just a wonderful, wonderful effort going throughout the world to help people with medical needs that they cannot receive in their native countries. Again, any thoughts or comments, please write to Brian Rusk, ESPN AM 1520, 500 Corporate Parkway, Suite 200, Buffalo, New York, 14226. Special thanks to Kevin Carr, Director of Production, Thank you for enlightening us about the needs internationally for health care with Project Hope, Susan Rickard, Have a great week.
0: You've been listening to The Rusk Report, a program that takes an inside look at the Western New York community with news, features, and special guests. If you have any comments or suggestions, please write to Brian Rusk, 500 Corporate Parkway, Suite 200, Amherst, New York, 14226.